everybody. Welcome to That's Life, where some days, frankly, I feel we are living Mr. Toad's wild wife. Wild, wild wife. That's funny. Uh, wild ride in Disney World. Uh, and today is one of those days. <laughs> Part of Barcel, because I just referred to it as Mr. Toad's wild wife. That would be Stephen Wallach's wild wife. That is a day that he experiences too often. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Seal Network, joined by Avrami behind the board. Avrami. How are you? Happy post Hanukkah. I know. First of all, I mean, Yoni, is Yoni's mic on? I think so. Yoni, I, I welcome Yoni Pollock to the show as well. Good morning. I know this is a little impromptu. I didn't tell you I was doing this. I want to thank you for our lunch last week. We went to mozzarella on you, frankly. Mozzarella. Yeah. Um, we went to mozzarella. It was delicious. We had a great time. I took a couple of action photos of Yoni devouring a Sufganiya in what was not the most attractive pose ever. Which will ever. not be posted on no, social no, media. No, no, I didn't share it. I didn't share it. I kept it. That's in-house. That's something that we keep between family. Um, <laughs> but I do want to thank you. The food was great. My thank pleasure. you. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, we also semi-contemplated going back there today with you and then realized that that would never work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there went that. But I just want you to know that it was truly appreciated. Your your generosity did not fall short. Um, Yoni, did you give Avrami his Hanukkah present? It was the I least did. I could do. Uh, you did. And did you, I mean... Yes, it, the pillow. Exactly. Yes, it and will it, get used. It will get used. Now, yes. I don't know how it works with Big Downer, though. Well... Ideally, I have a, enough room to use Big Downer as a as a as a blanket or some kind of thing, you know. Right. So Yoni got a neck pillow from. Sorry, Avrami got a, a neck pillow from Yoni for Hanukkah, which is of course a great gift for somebody who commutes to the studio from Baltimore via bus, and better for him to lean on the pillow than the individual to the seat next to him. Right. Right. Um, we've been there, done that. <laughs> So now, Big Downer, for those people who have been listening to that slide for a while, know that that's how you refer to your coat. Yes, it's a great <laughs> coat. I might have to get a new one now that I'm here. I have to go to Borough Park and get a new one. I have to go into the middle of the, the heart of Borough Park to get a coat like this because you cannot get it anywhere else. You can't get it at Burlington? No. Why? Because they don't make really, really long down coats unless maybe it would be really expensive. I don't know. I looked. Everyone wants to wear the shorter coats so they can get in and out of their car more easily and stuff. People don't really like really long coats. Because they don't want to wear a sleeping bag. Exactly. Okay. You, on the other hand, looking for a sleeping bag. Right. Maybe we can- Shabbos, walking on Shabbos. Maybe we can retrofit a sleeping bag for you. (laughs) We'll build its sleeves. Seems like a lot of work. If you've got a guy out there who sells real- Everyone's got a guy. A snuggie. A (laughs) snuggie. If you've got a guy out there who sells really warm coats, do me a favor and email of Remy, af at nachomsegel.com. He is convinced he has to go to Borough Park for that, which I don't know if you know, is not on his commute route. So let's try and you know keep it in Manhattan. Uh, this week I we will be for a handful of days in New York. So really? I'm able to. Yep, yep. Oh, welcome back. Thank you. You're welcome. It still doesn't make you in New York now that you moved to Baltimore. Once you change your license, buddy, you give up all rights. Still have my phone Lucky number. Lucky you, Romy. I still, have, I still <laughs> have my phone number. That's true. I don't know why that is. People hold on to those phone numbers. All right, it's all good. Anyway, a pleasure to have you, and thank you again for your generosity. Um, I also want to mention that Nahum uh, was joined this morning at eight o'clock. During uh, 8 o'clock a.m. during JM and AM by Maury Litwack from TAN, Teach Advocacy Network. They are having a day of giving. You can go to upreaching.com and their second active campaign for today is that for TAN. It is very important. I made my donation. It's very important to support our schools, support security, making sure that our day schools, our yeshivot, are safe for our children to attend on a daily basis. I highly recommend you go to upreaching, that's one word, U-P-R-E-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com, 
and you can check out the second campaign there. Again, it is for school safety, and uh, it is, frankly, all of our responsibilities to do our part to make sure that our kids are safe. And Rummy, just as a side point, I was listening to the interview while taking my kids to school, and my 11-year-old daughter so moved by uh, by Maury and what he was saying that she asked me how she could give her Hanukkah gelt to uh, make her school safer, to which I responded, Keep your ten bucks, and uh, I'll take care of it for you. But but it's an important message. It becomes twenty, you know. I know, and I. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Fair point. Maybe I should tell her to fork over the ten bucks. Um, but it's important that we that we involve our kids in their own lives, and frankly, the safety of their school is their own life. So that's that's just something I want to I want to point out. Teach Advocacy Network. They're having their day of giving. Again, that's upreaching.com. It's the second campaign there. The other thing I want to mention, I really don't usually do this, but I want to mention this as well, that yesterday, and you'll like this, yesterday, Nahum and I had, and I mean this wholeheartedly, the privilege of being at the Kedem Hanukkah party. Yeah, it was really nice. My thanks to Nathan Herzog for in, for inviting us. And uh, there were a couple of really nice aspects to it. First of all, the the, the office party for those people who work upstairs in the offices, et cetera, that was the day before. But yesterday was for the factory workers, the guys who bottle the grape juice, the guys who bottle the apple juice, who put it all together, who put the corks in the champagne, the whole nine yards. The room is packed with people of every background and denomination. Packed. And I do mean packed. And um, and it was and it was amazing to watch between the Hasidim and the the you know the his, members of the Hispanic community or the African they're all in there enjoying each other's company, listening to Nathan Herzog and his father speak beautifully about what it means to be part of a family business and how everyone in that room is part of that family and how important it is for us to treat each other like family and also work hard for family. I mean, what is going to inspire you more than working for your own family? And as somebody whose whose husband is in a family business, I completely get it. Because even when there are rough days, you know that the people are that you're working for are the people you love, and and that's that's a tremendous amount. But you could feel that kind of appreciation in the room yesterday, which was so startling to me. And one of the more beautiful parts of the of the Hanukkah party was when Mr. Herzog Senior got up to speak and spoke about the menorah. And spoke to this, again, this multicultural, multinational crowd. Um, one gentleman with a huge New Jersey Devils um, tattoo on his neck. Okay, so clearly not a member of the Chabad community. And this, and Mr. Herzog got up and he said that the menorah is really um, a great metaphor, so to speak, for this Hanukkah party. Why? Because he explained what the Shamish was. That is the helper candle so to speak and he's not part of the party he's not one of the eight but he makes the other eight shine and without them they're without him they're nothing because they don't get lit without the helper and so there's such an interdependency there that everyone appreciates each other that yes there are eight candles that are supposed to shine but no one doesn't appreciate the importance of the shamish and for that the shamish is higher so to me, that was such an unbelievable just message to give over to everyone from the head of the company, who also spoke about how he started on the bottling line. He himself bottled the grape juice. 
and how he worked up and how every single job of the people in that company, in that room and of the Hanukkah party before he has held every single job. He's done sales. He's done bottling. He's done packaging. He drove trucks. I mean, it was it's incredible. And so I, I really want to commend everyone at Kedem, everyone at Royal Wines, the entire Herzog family for not only making their community, so to speak, feel like family and be appreciated, but for making us here at the Nahum Siegel Network feel like family and being appreciated as well. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I am joined by somebody we consider part of the family as well, not only because he's with us oftentimes for Chagim, but also because he gives us great inside information. Elon Kornblum, greatkosherrestaurants.com. Good morning. Good morning. Nice, nice introduction. Do you appreciate me as much as I appreciate you? I, I honestly, I honestly do, and I know you appreciated <laughs> this ten thirty slot as opposed to your usual eight a.m. slot. Yes, <laughs> yes. I got my shower in. Um, I don't have my morning voice anymore. So right. thank you. Yeah, you sound up and about. That's great. So, yeah. uh, so I could be totally, totally wrong. I honestly could be totally wrong, but it Never. seems. All right, well, you're not Steven, so let's yeah. move on from there. And you're not Nacho, so let's move on from there. It seems to me that there are a lot of closings of different restaurants in different communities. It could be just like, you know, an end of the year, people are reassessing their businesses. But am I, let's just start with this. Am I wrong? Are a lot of places closing? There are a lot of places closing, but there are a lot of places opening. So it's a cycle, and it's always been a cycle for decades. I think now, just because of social media, because everyone is is talking on uh, their phones, and you hear it more, it's mm. more visible. Um, and so, when someone closes, you know, everyone's like, "Oh my God, what happened? What's the reason?" And they start, to, you know, talking about it. So it's highlighted more um, than what it used to be ten years ago. Restaurant closed, you heard about it, and then you know, that's it. Right. And, and now just everything is heightened. It's everything's on steroids. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're making a really good point. And it's something I didn't consider. We talk about that here all the time. Are we all are things happening more often, like in general, or are we just hearing about it more, whether it's national tragedies like floodings or tornadoes or whatever, or terrorist attacks, or it's just that we're hearing about them more. So in this case, I think you're making a great point. There are closures that happens, you know, every decade you can go through this and see the cycles. But now, because we're all so in touch with social media or so in touch with each other and God, WhatsApp, I mean, who thought that was going to turn out to what it's be? It's what it's turned out to be. But you're right. It's just, you know, I guess we are at the end of a cycle or we're at the beginning of a cycle. How does it work? So a cycle is round and round, you know, and it, certainly um, there are closings. I think the market is saturated. There's ah. no question about it. Um, everyone thinks they can open up a restaurant just because they can cook and they have a good <laughs> idea and they have right. some money. Um, the, oh, yeah, sure, let's do it. It seems easy. You know, I see people in a restaurant uh, all the time. I, I can do that, and it's very tough. You right. know, you know, running a business, anything, it's going to be tough. But, and, you know, being a kosher restaurant, closed 100 days out of the year, um, paying for you know, more expensive ingredients, the mashkiach, uh, just it takes on a whole different level from – as it is, kosher, as re- regular restaurants close all the time, we, we don't, you know, in the non-kosher world, it happens also right. all the time. So with the, with the kosher restaurant, 
so many challenges, and it's, it's very difficult. It's very stressful. You, you know, we have customers, God bless them, that are very demanding, and, you know, in, in some right they should be, but there, are, there is certain self-entitlement that us as customers have, and so it makes it difficult, and, um, yeah, it just survival of the fittest right now. Right. Now, I hear that. The, the saturated market is certainly an issue just when, as a person who lives in the five towns, just when I think I've seen everything, another thing shows up. And you sort of have to wonder, do we really need 15 places that all serve sushi within a 10-mile right. radius? That is right. a question. And then you have places that pop up, and you're wondering where you've been without them because one thing the five towns ha- had not had, and I'm just using this as an example, is destination dinings, a place that people were worth, were willing to brave the Van Wick or the Belt or the Cross Island in order to go eat there. And with the explosion of Doma, mm-hmm. um, for yep. example, and Cork and Slice, which is one of my favorite places to eat, um, there that, that has been established. Places where people that are getting rave reviews, both by Jewish and non-Jewish publications, right. um, and therefore we're saying, wow, this is really impressive. But on the other hand, with the closing of the Prime Group in Manhattan, which took everyone who was not on the inside by surprise that almost, you know, it seemed like they were too big to fail, so to speak. You know, you look at this and saying, wow, there, there might have been a void and then it was filled, but maybe it really didn't need to be filled. Right. So I think in terms of Doma and Cork and Slice, great example. First of all, they're owned by the same people. So it kind of says, you know what? That's the, these are guys that, that get it. They know what to do. There are some people who are just born restaurateurs, and they just know what the customer wants. They're going to invest wisely into their restaurant and, and building something that's beautiful, that people are going to like. And so, yeah, they, they, they have it. Some people just have it. And so they're very successful. The Newsday just came out yesterday picking Doma's number two top restaurant in Long Island. No way. Out of thousands of, of non-kosher restaurants, so number two, that's pretty big. So wow. got to give credit to, to those guys that, that work hard. And in terms of Prime, I don't know, I don't know how long do you have? Uh, <laughs> you know, listen, uh, yeah, the so people on the inside, this wasn't a surprise. Um, we all know there's lawsuits. We all know there's right. legal battles. Right. And so, um, but yeah, there, there's that's a, it's a good example of... Just too many places, you know, it was hard to handle all of them. And, um, you know, with competition, with so many restaurants, especially in Manhattan, Reserve Cut, and now the UN Plaza and Grill, uh, you still have the, the landmark, you know, Le Marais and Abigail's, Mr. Broadway. So certainly Manhattan, there's a lot of fantastic uh, upscale restaurants, and when other ones aren't as good as they used to be, maybe get away with 10 years ago being one of the few. Now, no. Now right. you're you're good as your last meal and always got to prove yourself. No, that's, that's an excellent point. It, it sort of explains why, in terms of survival of the fittest, some make it and some just don't. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Elon Kornblum, greatkosherrestaurants.com, joins me this morning. There is um, there, there, something that took me recently by surprise is the fact that Bedford and Queens is closing and turning into a half Mexi kosher, half bagel boss under the vod of Queens, while Bedford on Park still seems to be holding strong, uh, a favorite of mine, frankly, but still seems to be holding strong. 
Right. So, so first, Bedford and Park. Um, okay, first, with Bedford. Um, first, of the, with Mexico Kosher and Vega Balls, you, people should know it's, it's actually separate owners. I know they're going to be side by side, and they, they share some kind, but they're totally independent restaurants. I know people were confused about that, so just I want to make sure that's clear. Uh, Bedford, yeah, you know, Queens, it, was, it does, did very well in the beginning. Um, you know, the chef left to do his thing in L.A., then he came back. And Queens is very tough to sustain a waiter service, mm. um, fine, casual, so to speak, restaurant. And so the owners decided to switch gears and maybe do some kind of, fun, you know, casual with Mexico Um They're still the same owner that's that's doing it. So it's not like they're... It's closing and, and selling. It's just they're changing concepts, and and so hopefully that will work. Um, they're, they're pretty successful in Manhattan, so the same owners in Manhattan are the ones who are doing it in Queens. Um, yeah, just um, it's, it's very tough. Just that goes to, again, bottom line, kosher restaurants are tough. The one in Manhattan you have a party room, you have uh, a huge amount of business that can go during lunch and, and at night. So it's, it's hopefully, you know, the, it's going to be there for many years, but it's tough. And it's small, you know, Queens is not so small, right. but, you're not, you know, who's going for lunch to Bedford hmm. in, in Queens? Not right. no one. So they didn't have any lunch business. And dinner... Okay, you had a, a couple, you know, couple of uh, seatings, but not enough to um, to make it profitable. So they just changed and, and hoped that uh, this will work now. But then you look at a place like Pardes, may it rest in peace, and I mean that yeah. wholeheartedly, that only did dinner. And right. in a strange location. I mean, they were... Mm-hmm. They were ahead of their time, so to speak. Like, they were packed, and they only did dinner, and they were packed. So... Right. Well, again, it was a small place. Right. And so certainly, you know, it was packed. That's a place that, like you said, ahead of its time, you know, is interesting. That's the kind of place where people either loved it or hated it, and they maybe didn't get it. Fair so point, they, fair you point. Know, you, have an, you have this one dish that has 20 different ingredients. It <laughs> looks amazing. You, know, you can't pronounce or know half of them, and you try it. Right. And some people didn't like it and said, uh, you know, I, I don't want to pay for this. The guy's like, but you... Bought it. You ordered it. I know, but I didn't like it. And he got people sending people sending dishes back. Mm. People not, you know, liking it. You know, some people loved it, and some people didn't get it. And so he had a hard time um, with, with the majority of the customers. Certainly, it was a nice amount of people who appreciate it. But for the average customer, maybe he went a little too out of the box. Got um, it. And you know, again, it's kind of caught up and. He also just said, you know, it's not worth it. I, you know, I, I can't spin my wheels anymore. Right. And he got out. Right. I'm going to ask you, like, a few final questions because I don't want to sure. run out of time before Avrami starts giving me, you know, that stink eye. They, um, are there certain places, and this is something that Nachum and I have discussed numerous times, do you think certain locations are just jinxed? Like, there's a restaurant spot where it just keeps turning over. Somebody else buys it. They think they can make something work there. They reinvent it, and they try it and try it, and it's like the most, the craziest revolving door. Are certain right. locations right. just jinxed? So, okay, so there's two ways to look at it. One is I've seen where a restaurant like Bistro 1310, people might not even remember, it was many years ago in Borough Park on 40th and 13th. What took over? The loft. 
And the loft is tremendous, uh, tremendously right. popular. And so that's an example of a restaurant who has good management, good chef, good service, turned it around after many years of, of a failed restaurant. Uh, then there's other places where it's, I wouldn't call it jinx, but there's actually something to it. When someone fails a couple of times, people have this, you know, conception, oh, it's jinxed. So you're working from, from a negative. Mm. It's hard enough to work from opening and making it, you know, making it. Here you've got to change the perception of people and the concept, and misconception of that is jinxed. So you're working from, you know, below to, right. get, to, to get to where you're supposed to be normally, and then you've got to raise it. So it's very tough um, to... People, again, talk and, you know, social media and they make jokes. And, and so you, before you even open, they're already looking that you're going to fail. Right. And that's, that's, that's hard enough. So right. That's, that's kind a of why, tough call. Yeah, some locations just don't make it in, in certain uh, spots. Yeah, they've, I guess they've psyched themselves out. What has opened recently besides Doma, which is obviously a huge hit, um, and they should continue to have great, great success? What, uh, what else has opened recently? that has either like pleasantly surprised you or taken off exactly the way you imagined? So there's a couple of places that you might find interesting also. There's um, a, a famen uh, restaurant in Cran Heights that's going to open in a couple of weeks. Noodles, very interesting, Vietnamese, ah. Asian-style restaurant. And I posted a couple of times on my Facebook group, and it's just gotten a tremendous amount of reaction. People are very excited for it. So while it hasn't opened yet, it, the buzz is is tremendous. So I'm looking forward to that. There's um, Beast Barbecue that opened up in Muncie that closed, and um, it just reopened last week under 306 Southern Barbecue, and, and the reviews have been very uh, positive. So that's kind of encouraging. There's a lot of new restaurants. There's Brooklyn Artisan Bakehouse opening up in Brooklyn, uh, in Flatbush, another location. Uh, so there's a lot of restaurants that are opening, and uh, another one in Lakewood we just announced. I was in Florida last week. There was a tremendous amount of great restaurants there. So it's, it's, it's still a great time to go out. I certainly encourage people, you know, go out, try at least once try every restaurant. Give them the chance mm. to show you that they are worth your money and your time. Go out, enjoy yourself, make some memories, create you know a fun experience, and um, you know life will be better for it. And what Chinese restaurant are you hitting up this Monday on uh, oh, December twenty fifth? <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, everyone's going to be doing that. I try to stay away from the crowds. Um, when it gets like that, but yeah, that's it's amazing. We have restaurants who are rolling out specials, right? December twenty fourth. They know it's going to happen. That's that's it's a great marketing. Uh, it is thing. So why not? I think it's hysterical. Um, yeah. But I also love partaking in it. I have to be honest. It's a little bit like for me, that's like so Black funny. Friday. It's a little bit like Black Friday. I would pretend that I'm like above it, but I love the yeah. hawk. So <laughs> yeah, you gotta you know join them exactly yeah. exactly. Yeah. Elon Kornblum, GreatCrocerRestaurants.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Continued great work on your behalf, you. and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'll speak to you later. My pleasure. You've been listening to that live here at the Malcolm Siegel Network. I realized in my haste that I did not do today's national holidays, and I am 
I am I am forever apologetic. First of all, uh, it's the winter solstice. It is the shortest day of the year, which is only funny because it's also short girl appreciation day. Yoni. Anyway, um, it is it is shortest day of the year, the winter solstice, uh, which is a tough word to say, but I got it out. It's also National Regifting Day. So I'm not sure how you regift before Christmas, but frankly, it's post Hanukkah. So do whatever you got to do and make your returns before Monday. That's for sure. It's also free shipping day, which I did not know, but we're going to have to be making some purchases. It's crossword puzzle day, and uh, I, which which I have to be honest, surprises me a little bit because if you know anything about the New York Times crossword puzzle, it gets harder as the week goes on and certainly as the month goes on. So I would not be touching a Thursday crossword puzzle at the end of December if my life depended on it. Finally, um, it is Celebrate Short Fiction Day. So if there is a good short story that you like, and Yoni, I know you love The Monkey's Paw. It's a great, great story. Um, I highly recommend that you pick it up and take yourself a couple of minutes with a cup of coffee and enjoy some short fiction. By the way, Avrami, in case you didn't know this, um, Festivus is Sunday. I know. Festivus for the rest of us. That is December 23rd. All right, you've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We have a full afternoon of programming right after That's Life, the live lunch hosted by Nachum Siegel right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. You'll hear all about the money that I spent at Staples on my chair accoutrements to help improve my posture and hear how that was an epic fail. And then the afternoon continues with a full afternoon of programming all day, including the Arab Shabbos show hosted by Mark Zomek at 7 p.m. If you have not listened to this show, you are actually missing out. It is a great program. Mark spends a tremendous amount of time on it, and it totally shows. It is an excellent program. It is encore tomorrow morning after Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. So that comes at 10 o'clock. Naomi is at 9 o'clock. And of course, JM and the AM starts at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. We have a tremendous amount of programming here. We thank uh, Kedem, not only again for hosting us yesterday, but also for sponsoring the Arab Shabbos show and for sponsoring the Arab Shabbos music mix that continues from the conclusion of Mark's show up until candlelighting here in the Uni- in the New York area. Rami hosts Saturday Night Seagull this Monday Shabbos starting at 9 p.m. Matis hosts J.M. Sunday, as he has been seamlessly since its inception this Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. We are closing today, a la Elon Kornblum, with Avram Fried's Bench Bench. It's so nice, we named it twice. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Ich bin der Kopf.